here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Hey, this is the king of the mountain, Jeff Jarrett, the president and founder of Global Force Wrestling. And you're listening to Shake Them Ropes. Robin McCarron. Why not bring Virgil back? He's in the game. Cross promotion. Bring him back. Jeff Hawkins. We have more stories for Virgil than we have half of our mid card. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. I don't know, Jeff. I don't know with your explanation how they can't bring him back at this point. This year is coming up, Virgil. He needs the money. realize that people die of boredom in London suburbs. It's the second biggest cause of death among the English in general. Sheer boredom. Alexander McCall Smith, Friends Lovers Chocolate. Hey kids, it's another week of Shake Them Ropes. Today, Finn Balor is the longest reigning NXT champion. Finn's friends, the Bullet Club, are on the main roster harassing Roman. And Roman and his old friends are taking on the Wyatt family in our top 100 match to see before you die. The Wyatts versus The Shield from Elimination Chamber 2014. Joining me as always, the host of Shake Them Ropes, Rob McCarron. And Rob, I've listened to all the pundits and whatnot now give their reviews of Raw. And a lot of people are blaming the audience. And I don't. What say you? Yeah, you don't blame audiences. Audiences can make shows fun, but they don't necessarily make shows bad. So I, if the audience isn't feeling it, the audience isn't feeling it. What I think hinders sometimes at these, uh, at these shows is that the fans are wanting to go so crazy, but they kind of overdo it early. And then all of a sudden they're just like, oh, what's next? I guess we have to watch the show now. And they're all tired. And it kind of happened at the uh, Raw after WrestleMania, right? In Dallas, where they went nuts so much in that first hour that later on they were like, oh, we did, we hit all our spots. We cheered for CM Punk. We did all the cheering we wanted to do. We, we did all of the name calling we wanted to do. Now we have to watch the show and they kind of wear themselves out. So sometimes you get those crowds where it's just not organic. It's not organically happy and organically fluid throughout the entire show. And that's uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. Well, okay, here's my question. What were they supposed to go crazy for here? What were they supposed to be all hot and bothered about? Because the the matches, while they were great technically, and while the booking was logical, there was no real emotion in this show. There was no real fire in this show. There was no real heat to any of the promos or any of the stories or really any of the matches. And the matches were, you know, they were good, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, especially like the main event, we've seen that main event quite a few times, and there was nothing on the line for it. So after the entrances, people just kind of sat and waited for the ending. And I'm, I'm kind of baffled as to the criticism of the crowd where it's like, well, what are, are they just supposed to cheer because it's a product and because they got to see the stars 
or are they supposed to fake emotional investment to placate the product? I, I don't understand the criticism, to be honest with you. No, I, yeah, you shouldn't be criticizing the London crowd. And you know what? I, I thought it was an okay Raw. I mean, it's not like, what did they have to go crazy for? There were some good matches. There were some, uh, some dream matches, if you will. Well, they were good, but I mean, they weren't anything. I mean, they were, everybody was hitting their notes. Nothing blow away. So it was just, it yeah. was just a good raw. It was a good, yeah. I mean, it was a good raw, but I wanted to kind of start, you mentioned it in your, okay. in your open here. Uh, Finn Balor is the longest reigning NXT champion. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you, Jeff Hawkins, is that important? No, <laughs> it's not really because Finn is. He's a, again, it, it goes to the problem of the main roster as well. He's a great technical wrestler in the ring. His matches are great and fun to watch. As a champion, he has no outs, outside of his entrance, he has no presence as a champion. He hasn't cut a championship promo yet. He hasn't had a feud where he got emotional. He's had like Samoa Joe angry at him, and that really drove heat for the feud. But Finn himself, as a character, hasn't shown the same kind of charisma he's shown in New Japan. And while being NXT champion is nice and it is a second touring brand, it is not as important as holding the big belt on the main roster. Yeah. So I, I think while, you know, it's nice and I think, you know, he's probably the best champion they've had overall in terms of technical abilities and name value. Don't get me wrong. Sami Zayn was great, but he didn't hold the belt for that long. No, Sami Zayn I, didn't hold it for that long. Kevin Owens was the champion in this kind of new era. I would say, you know, Sami Zayn is probably, yeah, I guess you can go to the end of Neville's reign too, as being the first champion of this new era of NXT where it kind of matters. Before that, you had Bo Dallas, you had Seth Rollins, Big E. You know, they were just the champions of developmental. It didn't really mean a whole lot. Uh, what's interesting is the fact that we talked about this with the NXT tag team titles is they usually, they haven't really been putting the championships on the stars that matter. The championships go on the teams they want to see more from or the people they want to see more from. But now you have all these championships going on teams that matter. The, you know, American Alpha being the tag champs, Asuka being the women's champion, and before that, Bailey. Uh, the women's division was really the first one to go through this in NXT where it's like, okay, this is the, these are the big stars of the brand and they're grunting for the title. The, the NXT title was then second with that. And now the tag team titles are getting there. But, but Finn Balor has been there a long time. Uh, it just goes to show exactly how long he's been down in developmental. I mean, he was a champion very, uh, you know, early on. And he's just been down there for so long. And they haven't done a whole lot with that, uh, with that championship. He's had the series of matches with Joe. But outside of that, you know, maybe a better question is, has the rain been worthwhile or has the rain been that great? Because I was seeing some arguments on uh, on Twitter that some people were like, oh, well, Finn Balor hasn't really done anything with this championship. And all you really have to do there is have the really good takeover matches and in between don't screw up too bad because NXT TV is more about getting everyone ready for takeover than it is to be blow away TV. I think everyone's in on that nowadays. Like NXT TV is interesting because you're seeing, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura on regular weekly TV. You're seeing Austin Aries on regular weekly TV, some Ojo. But what matters is TakeOver. These, these weekly NXT shows don't really matter. It is developmental. You're seeing a lot of the, the women stars that are only working the performance center and don't do a whole lot on TV. 
the newer names, the new, you know, Angelo Dawkins of the world, the Sawyer Fultons of the world. It, it NXT TV is interesting, but as far as championships mattering, I don't think anyone as NXT champion would matter that much. Maybe, maybe now if Shinsuke were to be in the title mix, that ups the game a little bit. But the NXT championship doesn't mean a whole lot regardless because it's still, like you said, it's developmental. It is the lower brand title. It's almost as if being ECW champion when ECW was making its comeback. I disagree with you strongly on the NXT week-to-week TV not mattering because it is developmental. And what it is is it's a chance for these people to build their brand. That's the reason why people got into that women's division so much, especially three of the four. Becky Lynch came later, and Becky Lynch was because of the takeover match. I guess I guess she I shouldn't did, say not did. mattering. I mean, it's not blow away TV. It's it, no, yes, I it matters. You have to you have to follow along, obviously, to get to takeover mattering. I mean, for them, I mean for them as characters and yeah. performers hoping to make the main roster, it is important for them to take that opportunity right, yeah. to sit with the producers and say, "I need to cut promos here that will build myself up to get." to the main roster, and I'm not sure that's happening across the board. I think it happened with the horsewomen again, uh, with the exception of Becky, because week to week, they were cutting promos, they were doing angles, they were doing these things that got you emotionally involved that would then get you to the takeover match. I think they've done a good job with the revival in that respect, and I think they've done a pretty good job with American Alpha in that respect. The, the problem is the takeover matches are great. Don't get me wrong. The, I, as you've heard on every takeover show I've been on, I've, I've usually just loved it from top to bottom. But after the match, there has to be something to carry that over. And that's where the problem with NXT is happening right now. And that's actually what's happening on the main roster right now as well. You don't have the personalities to carry a show to keep everybody interested. Right now, really the only engaging personality I'd say on the main roster is Kevin Owens. Yeah, I would say Kevin Owens is certainly one. Um, I think Cesaro's doing a really good job so far in his comeback. Um, I don't know if the crowd's going to be behind him for too much longer, you know, unless he does something. But right. I, I tell you what, if you would have said a regular Cesaro versus Miz program probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. But right now, both of them are doing great. All three of them really count at Maurice. The Cesaro and the Miz is a program that I'm actually interested in. I think Cesaro's entertaining. I don't think anybody's emotionally invested in him. And I think that's the problem. Yeah, I think no, I think I, they I agree, love yeah. they love his suit gig and they love the the movie line, but nobody nobody's going to really care if Cesaro wins or loses just yet because there's nothing to this feud. And it's it's like that almost across the board. It it's very odd. Now, I'll tell you what I did like. There's you, well no, we're not going to get there yet, but there's there's okay. a lot of good stuff. We're going to talk about the pay bar, the payback card coming up. We're going to talk about more of what Jeff Hawkins liked about Raw uh, and, and so much more. Um, one final point on Finn Balor is I, I don't think he's been a disastrous champion, as some tried to say. No. I don't think he's been, you know, super great as champion because no. he's probably been the best. Am I wrong in saying he's been the best NXT champion so far? And the uh, reign may are, be the best? You you are not wrong, and you are not wrong that he gets the people engaged yeah. for his main event matches. But that's I, yeah. I want to say that even though being the best, that doesn't make it like it's been this awesome, you know, blow away reign because he hasn't had a lot of competition. Kevin Owens was a great reign, but it didn't last very long because he got called up to the main roster. You know, Sami Zayn, all he did was lose to Kevin Owens because of uh, you know the injury that happened to him. He didn't really get a chance at the NXT title too long. Uh, Biggie, Seth Rollins, the pre the pre network era really didn't do a whole lot because 
no one saw it for one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Seth Rollins was quickly up in the main roster. So, yeah, I would say, you know, Neville's was really good just because he was having really good matches with a large amount of the roster. You know, Neville really got a lot out of his title run as far as match quality goes. But Finn Balor's been really good. I, I just, uh, it's the longest reign. How long do you think it's going to continue to go? Do you see Finn Balor, uh, none of this rumors, whether he's going to go up to the main roster or not. How much further do we think that Finn Balor has as champion? And the next takeover is June 8th. So it could be as soon as June 8th, but do you think it'll go longer? Well, I think uh, just to backtrack real quick to a shorter point, um, I think the Joe program from being tag team partner through this, including the including the Corbin feud, really made and solidified Finn Balor's sure, uh, yeah. championship reign. Yeah. I think it goes through the SummerSlam takeover and he loses it there. Okay. I don't know who that's going to be to just yet, but I think right. that's what happens. Yeah, SummerSlam takeover. It, it seems so far away, doesn't it? The SummerSlam takeover, it just seems so far away. But God, we're, I mean, we're starting summer right now. It's its not going to end up being too much longer. Right. Uh, so we will see there. I wonder what they're going to do June 8th. Because even if you saw spoilers from the access tapings, they, that didn't give away a whole lot. Uh, they did the promo on television where Finn Balor talked about Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know if they're going to go to Finn Balor and Shinsuke right away. You know, they have two more TV tapings before takeover in full sale on June 8th. So there's a lot that could be done. I I just don't know. I don't think they're going to go back to Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura kind of seems like he would be the one, you know, Shinsuke and Finn Balor and uh, on June 8th, do they give the title to Shinsuke Nakamura so he can defend it? in the July tour of Japan. Oh, that's a good one. That would actually make a lot of sense. And then, you know what? There'd be no harm in a rematch for the uh, SummerSlam uh, NXT show. So, I mean, that that could very possibly happen. They're going to the tour of Japan, and you know one of those shows will likely be on the WWE Network. Shinsuke Nakamura should probably be the main event of those shows. Like, I know he's not the biggest star in WWE. He's not even the, you know, main roster guy or anything like that. But Shinsuke Nakamura possibly defending the NXT championship should probably be the main event of that entire tour of Japan. Put him in the main event against AJ, you know? Yeah, I th- yeah, no, And Lord knows Chris Jericho is going to ask for a match somewhere. Chris Jericho. <laughs> I wonder who he politics in. Chris Jericho has been, you know, the last year he's just done a great job of getting to work with who he wants to work with. I really wonder what they're going to do, uh, you know, as far as putting him on TV with somebody on that tour of Japan, because he's kind of a regular now. He's got to work with who he works with. You know, he may be slotted with the Miz by that point. I don't know. He's not coming in for these one week tours and then leaving again. So Chris Jericho seemingly uh, doing what he wants to. Uh, but that's Finn Balor. Uh, before we get into Raw 2, we had uh, a comment. We had a direct message on the Twitter machine at Shake Them Ropes. On Twitter, we had a question come in. And while I look for that question, I want to remind everybody that you can hit us up on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. Jeff is at Crap Game 13. Visit us at voicesofwrestling.com slash STR. And be sure, if you're doing any shopping on Amazon, check out voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon. Save that link. Go through voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon if you're doing any shopping on Amazon, and it will help support this show and the Voices of Wrestling website. So we had Mike chime in on Twitter. He asks, and he mentions, 
that he is currently watching SummerSlam 2003 on the WWE Network. The Dudley Boys, Undertaker, Shane McMahon, Steve Austin, Brock Lesnar, Kane, Triple H, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, all on that SummerSlam and were all part of WrestleMania 32 13 years later. He asks, who do we think or hope will still be around for WrestleMania 45 13 years from now? Who on the main roster do we see being around still in 13 years like we saw in that 13-year gap? Um, I'm sure there's many, many names that'll probably be around. I don't know if this... uh, Maybe I'm wrong here, Jeff. What do you think about this era where guys are, you know, on the roster for just so long and they're not firing names like they used to? I mean, the last mass firing was what, two years ago? And they seem like they did one every year. They have a lot of guys on the roster and a lot of them are young. They could be around 13 years from now. Who's young? I, I thought most of the roster is at least 30 or older. Well, Seth Rollins is still under 30. I mean, is he? Okay. Yeah, Seth Rollins. Uh, I mean, they're not... I guess you can say a lot of them, yeah. They're not super young, but they, they seem like new guys. Like Austin Aries, to a lot of people, seems like a new guy, and he's pushing 40. Um, I don't know. I mean, who who came up on the roster just uh, recently? You know, the VOD villains. Could they be a tag team that people enjoy seeing still for the next 13 years? I think a guy like Jason Jordan will be around. Yeah. Chad Gable, Jason Chad Jordan. Gable. I think I think those guys are still very very young in their careers and and would be able to. I think Alexa Bliss may still be around. Who knows? Um, isn't Could, she like only twenty twenty one? Yeah. So we're talking. HBK was towards the end of his career. Now, of course, he didn't have a match at this WrestleMania, but he made a, an appearance. Do you think John Cena, thirteen years from now, will still be making appearances at WrestleMania as like the big uh, the big new star? Mm, he he'll he'll be he may make an appearance here and there but he'll be almost he'll be over 50 by then so no i don't think i don't think he'll be i don't think he'll be wearing jorts hopefully Uh, (laughs) let's see we got sasha banks is only 20 uh 24 Mm, she'll be she'll be out by then so she'll want she'll probably be married and want to have a family maybe bo dallas will be main eventing wrestlemania 13 years from now tyler tyler breeze is 28 uh, there's no names. A lot of these NXT guys, I'm trying to think of like a big star and Seth Rollins is kind of the biggest one. Who's under, under 30. How old is Corbin? A guy like Callisto, maybe a guy like Callisto, maybe Uh Baron Corbin is 31. Mm, that's pushing it. That, but I can see him having like a cane like run because he's so big and he won't have to do much. He is younger than Sami Zayn. Yeah. Yeah, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens being that 31, 32 age group right now. Uh, so, like, if you were thinking, like, the way Sami Zayn's been going, I don't know if he'll be healthy enough. But you can see, I don't know if there's going to be as many names as Mike mentioned, because that was a lot of names from SummerSlam 2003 to working now. Uh, you got to kind of find a big star who's young like that, like the Brock Lesnar of the world. The Chris Jericho, while he'd been around for a while, was still a major name only for, what, four years at that point? Well, you got to remember a lot of those guys made it bigger, younger and smaller promotions and got name value that way. It's far different now in the WWE. Oh, yeah. And a lot of these quote unquote new guys or a lot of these indie names, a lot of the indie names are old. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura is pushing 40. So uh, a lot of these guys who they're new to WWE, they're still really old as far as wrestling age. 
I think we'll still be seeing Kane, the big show, and the Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Those are the three. <laughs> those are the three. Because you, you got to be guys with long, long tenures in WWE. Bray Wyatt, I would almost be assured that Bray Wyatt's going to be a name that 13 years from now somehow we see. Because Bray Wyatt screams to me being the new Kane. Like he's just going to be a guy who hangs around forever and is always seen as a guy you can put in the main event slot no matter what he's done in the past. It depends on how many of these hardcore matches they put him in. <laughs> That's true, but it is safer nowadays. I mean, wrestling is uh, a lot safer in the ring. So I, I maybe that'll allow some to just have more longevity just because they're not taking these crazy bumps. I know it seems like sometimes we see crazy bumps, but I think in the grand scheme of things over a course of a year, they're not taking as many as they did before. Uh, we, let's get into this big raw, this taped raw. I thought it was really interesting. Did you see this, Jeff, how the the satellite feed of this raw and it happened again today on SmackDown, the direct satellite feed from London back to the States was caught and someone was streaming it online. So you could actually watch yesterday's raw from the production truck feed while it was happening. I saw that you had posted something about that. I really didn't have an interest I, uh, in it because, because I had to review it. Right. So and you, had to, went, you wanted to watch the finished project. I, want, I wanted to watch what everybody else was watching so it would make sense. <laughs> no, that, and that certainly makes sense. I, I caught wind of it and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I'll pop in there for a little bit. Um, it wasn't the perfect time. Like I couldn't actually watch the whole show uh, then, but it was interesting. You know, uh, for one, it's kind of just always fun to see the behind the scenes stuff. So you're watching this feed of Raw and you're not getting commercials. You're just getting, you know, the announcers talking to themselves in between the break, the production truck, the, the director giving instructions. And you're watching some of the stuff that normally wouldn't make TV and make air, you know, entrances for everybody, uh, no matter what, a lot of camera just getting crowd shots and, and so forth. So that was interesting in itself, but it also kind of allowed you to see these, you know, what some are calling poor crowd reactions before the show even airs. Do you get USA. the, uh, do you get the truck chatter? You got some of it. You got some of okay. it. You got Michael Cole and JBL. What I think you would have loved if you had been watching is Michael Cole and JBL straight up mocking and making fun of Byron Saxton when they're not even on television. Like it's a straight up commercial break and they are just being a dick to Byron Saxton like they are on TV to the point where like, okay, this is, this is real guys. These people just love giving Byron a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> they just love it. It was fun. So that was interesting. If, uh, and it happened again on SmackDown today too. Um, I, I just, I'm looking at Twitter and I'm like, there you go. That, that's what Twitter does nowadays. You can see taped shows as they're being taped from across the world. Uh, but then you watch the show, and the show was uh, interesting. I want to talk about Guns and Gallows, Luke Gallows. Carl Anderson has now been one week since they made their debut on WWE TV. How are you feeling about them one week later? Because this week certainly did maybe not more for them than last week, but you got a better understanding about where they're going to be placed as we head into payback than from last week. So what do you think one week in to guns and gallows? I think it was both very good and very disappointing at the same time. I thought for them as characters, getting them in there was great. I think they went far too much on the connection to AJ. I wanted it, it cause now no one's going to think that he's with that. They're together, even though they're hinting that I, I think they should have kept it more subtle Cause I, cause I've already now dismissed AJ styles as a candidate for being this third guy. Oh yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to be with AJ, but 
Uh, let's talk. The first week they come out and they they destroy the Usos, right? They kind right. of just make their name. So mm-hmm. you know, and I heard uh, you know friend of the show Les Moore on the Talking Sheet podcast. They were they were talking about okay, what are they going to do with Guns and Gallows? And I'm like it's clear after one show that they're being placed in the tag team division and they're just another tag team in WWE. Well, what happened in this week's TV and especially right. on Raw? That doesn't appear to be the case at all. It appears that yep. they're going to be in this main event slot, at least going into payback before we find out what they're actually doing and that they just debuted in the tag team scene just to you know take out a tag team to make their I, presence known. I would have held it off for a week. I would have held, held off attacking Roman until the go-home show. And then you have the intrigue of whose side are they on and whatnot. Have them attack someone a little bit higher up on the food chain than the Usos, but not yet main event. You, just, to, just to keep the build going, I think. Do you think that they could be doing misdirection here? Because we had someone on our Twitter feed uh, talk about how, you know, they attack Roman Reigns and they make it seem like they're going to be tied up with AJ. Does it mean that they're actually going to help Roman? And maybe your Roman Empire idea comes across, uh, you know, in fruition here. Do you think that the the swerve there of attacking Roman was just that a swerve? The only way that works, and I, I wrote something like this in my review, the, and I, I didn't put this part of it, but I was kind of upset that Roman didn't sell the beatdown at all after, after that and really wasn't all that angry or trying to get out AJ's throat. If it turns out it's misdirection, that's the only reasoning for that, but I don't think they're that clever. I don't think they did that to, 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 to then make Roman the leader. I think it's probably a third party that, that, we don't know yet, you know, authority, Vince, uh, you could put wild cards such as Orton or even Y2J in there. I think since the, I was saying the original plan was to have Roman and Y2J in this slot. So they may just, and since Y2J always ends up hooking up with all the indie guys that are darlings. Um, but yeah, the only way it's misdirection is if they then go back and go, well, see, that's why he was okay. After the beatdown. it was a fake, but to do it and then not explain it and just have it like that. I think it would, I think it would come off terrible to be honest. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be Roman. I don't think we're going to get this weird swerve where, Oh, I know we attacked Roman, but Roman only did that to, uh, to throw people off of AJ. I don't think it's going to be Roman, but I I think you're right. It's certainly not going to be AJ styles. If there even is a third guy, if they end up doing a third guy, uh, could we, could this be it? Could we be seeing Finn Balor? brought up as the third guy and push Finn Balor maybe up against AJ. And that way you get Roman Reigns completely out of it. Um, could the, could this be another Finn Balor rumor mill up on the main roster or, or you talk about guys like Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, I guess they could do another new group. Maybe Seth Rollins recruited these guys to be the third, uh, the second and third members of a team with him again. You know, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can go either way. If we see a debut or a return at payback, that Chicago crowd is the best crowd to kind of do this against. And that crowd's going to be hyped up. They're going to be amped for it. They're going to know who everyone is. I think we shouldn't risk working ourselves into a shoot that is going to be Finn or someone cool. I think it's probably going to be straight ahead and be Hunter. <laughs> that triple H, well, triple H did bring these guys in. It only makes sense. Like, huh? Duh guys. I brought them in. I did it myself. Could it be CM Punk returning yeah. in Chicago? <laughs> it's the return of the straight edge society. Yeah, with Carl <laughs> Anderson. Yeah, they're, they're already, he's already got his head shaved. It only, works sure. for, it only works for me if CM Punk refers to Carl Anderson as Joey the entire time. 
Like he doesn't realize they're two different people. <laughs> and it only works for me if Cole Cabana dresses up as Serena Deeb. Cole Cabana's getting an ROH championship shot. Cole Cabana and Jay Lethal was the main event announced for this big New Japan Ring of Honor Global Wars pay-per-view coming up in the big, in the beginning of May. I think the second Sunday in May. Uh, yeah, Cole Cabana getting a world title shot. No New Japan champion versus ROH world champion coming up on this show. No, my my joke my joke was uh, oh AJ Styles greets the new owners of TNA. <laughs> it was a great joke there, Jeff. I thought it was. I uh, um, I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Okay. Fine. You can no sell it all you want, but people <laughs> okay. But the people at home are just cracking up right now. You know, I know they are. Mm-hmm. So Guns and Gallows one weekend. I think it's more interesting now than just being in the tag team scene. Because they'll eventually get there. They'll eventually be oh. in the tag team scene. Oh, yeah. And I, it wouldn't shock me if they came out and destroyed both teams during the title match. Or even during the number one contender match. They yeah. kill Enzo and Cass and the Vaudevillains. Th- Although, oh, that, go ahead. That was a weird one, too, right? Because, and we kind of saw maybe that this could be coming. I didn't know if they would do a NXT championship match then a grudge match on this show, like maybe Enzo and Cass and the Dudleys keep their grudge. They don't make the finals and they end up getting uh, a match on the pay-per-view. And then you have the new day versus whoever the number one contenders are, but it looks like the new day aren't going to wrestle on the show. It looks like it's going to be the tag team tournament final and the new day will be with, you know, involved in that segment some way. I really liked the Vaude villains debut. I thought it over delivered. Uh, I think commentary failed them a bit. In that it seemed obvious to me that they're they're this goofy gimmick, but then once the bell rang, they became ass kickers, like old school ass kickers that say the revival would be proud of. I mean, it was just nothing but knees and hard forearm shots, and then working on the shoulder. I thought they were great in this debut, and I didn't hear a lot of talk about it either because it's just like, oh, they're the odd villains; they'll be dead soon. But it's like, in this way, in this heel role, I I haven't seen this kind of work from them, even in NXT, I thought they were great here. Yeah. The Vaud villains so far have done well for themselves. And that is what I think WWE just wanted to see with them. You know, we didn't know how they were going to be, you know, taken by the WWE crowd. We didn't know what they were going to do on the main roster. We've seen everything we could as a tag team of them in NXT. So just push them out there and we're seeing them do pretty well. The matches have been pretty good and they're not, they're not going too silly with it. Yeah, they need they need to push that that gimmick isn't isn't a it, it's psychological warfare more than an actual no they really think they're twenties strongmen right, right. you know, or That's whatever what they be. have to pu- yeah they have to push that it's a that it's a psychological warfare to get opponents uh, shields down a bit right. so to speak yeah and then then they'd be fine especially doing matches like this and I also thought the uh, I thought the women's eight person over delivered the problem was they put two eight persons in a row and you're just like Ugh, we don't you know <laughs> then it becomes fatigue but I thought all the women performed I mean nobody was terrible in it and and that's actually high praise I think considering that the, that the roster depth isn't necessarily there from top to bottom on, on the women's roster. Is it weird at all that uh, this tag team tournament final is an all NXT final? Like no, no tag team from the recent year in WWE that they put Enzo and Cass up against the VOD villains. And it's an all NXT final, just two teams that just made their debut now wrestling each other in the final. Cause that's, that's trusting that both Enzo and Cass have gotten really over his baby faces and that the VOD villains will be 
uh, good enough heels going against them that the crowd is invested in Enzo and Cass. That's that's trusting two new teams here all at once. I I think it's I think it's weird if you go into your cynical mode and we go into our cynical place. Oh, well, then, I don't but, even. But, I don't even think it's weird just being cynical. I mean, it's not cynical to say that, hey, they had to put some trust in these two teams, two teams that oh, yeah. they don't really, they're, they're the writers, the the management team is not super familiar with. You had to trust two new people and four new people total to really go I mean, out there and win this crowd over. I mean, what we say is, okay, put these guys out there and make them stars from the get-go. Don't give them 50-50 booking. Right. And that's what they're doing. I mean, the, that, that went over the Usos. That's a that's what we like to call here a credible win, I think. Oh, yeah, I would say so. The Usos is one of the few teams. I would say a win over the Dudleys, like one-on-one, is pretty credible, too. So you're giving credible wins to these two teams. Um, and you're you're still on the verge of them bringing up Primo and Epico, right? So we got new teams coming around the bend, too. Uh, what does that mean for teams like the Usos? And obviously the Ascension are gone because as we talk about, we'll talk about in a moment why, but... You have new blood in the tag team division, both out of necessity and because of just all these call-ups. So where does the team like the Usos go from now? Are they destined to be on Superstars prelims for the next, you know, six months or so? No, I, I think it, it, it would appear, I think, with all the call-ups and all the new guys they're introducing, I'm thinking the roster split is imminent. But how would, I mean, what do you think they're going to do with that? Actually have two completely different rosters or maybe a set of main eventers who go on both shows and the undercard? Because that's tough to do with these touring schedules. You know, what are you going to have half the crap or half the, uh, I don't know. I really don't. I, my idea was always you put, you know, you, you make raw your sports entertainment show with the stars from certain programs. And then you make SmackDown the tag team slash women's show. And you kind of specialize it that way, but it, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, you know what? A roster split, probably a bad idea, to be honest with you. And it only works, it only it. works if you do house shows on Monday nights too, because otherwise you're just going to have a whole lot of talent, you know, either flying home on Sunday all the way to go back on the road on Tuesday or just sitting around at Raw doing nothing. I just think Primo and Epico are dead in the water. Well, <laughs> I would have, I would have thought the villains would be too. I would have thought the villains would be dead in the water, and here they are doing okay. Uh, Primo and Epico, this is really their third shot. This is try number three with these guys. In Primo's case, it's try number four because mm-hmm. he had the run with Carlito. So you're going on multiple times where they're really trying to stretch something out. What I'm surprised about is that at no point they went back to NXT to try and try something out or maybe get some credibility, get over. Like, you know, we, we, uh, we see some of these guys go on the indies and get credible. Like Drew Galloway is a perfect example. They go away from WWE to go back on the indies and gain that groundswell of credibility. With mm-hmm. WWE, you can just put people on NXT and yeah. still keep them in the public eye and they get this groundswell of credibility. But Primo and Epico never went down to do that. I'm I'm still kind of surprised that they never had, uh, you know, in the last several years, a run on NXT where they were doing any type of new gimmick any type of new uh, tag team stuff to see what they could kind of do for themselves without being on the main stage where they could fall flat on their face. Well, I think, I think the only real reclamation project that has been successful so far on that level has been Emma. Yeah. And, she, and the, the jury's still out on that. I think that, I think they're trying to, they're, one of the reasons possibly, I, I and would, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to, uh, 
speculate here, okay. is that they're going to retool the way they try and repackage people on NXT because their theory before was, well, we'll send down Titus O'Neil and he'll beat all the good NXT well, people. Well, see, I don't <laughs> think Titus O'Neil can be qualified as that. I'm not talking about going down for one TV taping or two TV tapings to just kind of be a star on the show to get other people over. Titus O'Neil was there for two TV tapings. I'm talking about going down to NXT and being a part of NXT, working the house shows, working TV tapings multiple, working a takeover program. I'm talking about not, you know, yeah, it's surprising that they never went down for even one TV taping, but I'm talking about being in NXT for a little bit. Like, what have they been doing the last six months? They could have been down at NXT trying something out. And if it works, then you call them up. You call yeah. them up like uh, Zack Ryder has done this. I see your point. You know, okay. Zack Ryder has went to the main roster to be a regular in <laughs> NXT. Eva Marie, I would say, has been a reclamation project that's done well. I mean, she's now on the main, or doesn't seem like she's really on the main roster, but her stock was higher after having been in NXT than it was before she was in NXT. And you're right, Emma's been the biggest reclamation project of the bunch, but I'm surprised they just don't do this. I know you want to get your new talent over and and have all the new talent on that TV developing and whatnot but not bringing some of the main roster guys who are stale and putting them back on NXT to be kind of new and fresh. That, that surprises me that that should be the next evolution of NXT. Let me put something to you. Do you think they're getting gun shy about experimenting on the NXT show now that it's become kind of a de facto touring brand and it started to build steam as a television product. And that's why they bring these indie guys in because if they bring out a guy who sucks, or is a bit too green and kind of blows some spots and the crowd turns on him, then people are going to turn on the television no, I, product. I absolutely believe there's probably something to that, that if Triple H wants to make this his uh, his brand and he wants to make it the the alternative brand, it's hard to be an alternative brand if you're going to have, you know, who would you even put? Like if you brought the Ascension back or if you brought uh, someone who wasn't even in NXT that it would, um, I, what's a good name? Curtis Axel. And he even had a run in NXT. Yeah. I find it that there's probably not any, I guess Kane, you know, the big show guys like that, if they were actually in NXT for an extended run, those would be the guys you probably can't do it. But other than that, there's almost no other name on that main roster that you couldn't send to NXT. And while the fear of no longer being an alternative might be a reality, I don't think fans would take it that way. I think if you only do one or two at a time, I think it's going to be okay. And I'm just surprised that they haven't done it. But I, I, that's probably a factor. That's probably something to think about, at least. Like, if we want to make this an alternative brand, it's not going to really be an alternative if we're bringing WWE names and putting them down there. But mm -hmm. if you put Zack Ryder down there and the crowd actually accepts Zack Ryder as a guy that, yeah, we're going to reclaim you. We are going to make you good again. That's what the crowd wants to do in NXT. Like, oh, you're a WWE name and you're down here. That's cool. We're going to make you important again. The crowd took the freaking Ryback. When I was in Columbus for that house show, the crowd <laughs> took to the Ryback of all names. There's another name for your list of guys that probably can't go down there for an extended run. Jeez. But I mean, my God, well, this, was, this was when Ryback, there. but this was when Ryback was also hitting his stride on Twitter as, as a banter guy. Oh yeah. No, he's doing what Baron Corbin has kind of been doing. They've been the same gimmick for a little bit. I love me some Ryback. Ryback's good, people. Quit hating on the Ryback. Um, I want to go through, uh, we mentioned it a little bit, so we might as well just talk about it. Adam Rose and Connor, Connor of the Ascension, Adam Rose of the Social Outcasts, are gone for the next 60 days. They failed a drug test, their second failure. 
So Adam Rose is gone. They kind of mocked him a little bit on Raw. And Connor is gone. So now you have to uh, refill the roster for main event and superstars. <sighs> it's always the low-level guys they 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 get, don't they? And I, I bet you it's probably something. Ha, has it been released what they were dinged for? Um, I don't believe so. If it, it may have been, but I don't believe so. Because I, I believe that certain reports with that you get dinged on get released and certain don't. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Not to I will not libel the World Wrestling Federation or World Wrestling Entertainment and their drug testing policy, but dot dot dot. And I also think in Connor's case, that's garbage that you can have one test failure and then ten years later, after coming back and going through training and everything, that the second ding counts just as much as a second dean if you had one in consecutive months hey why not that's, that's crap why not that's, well they let randy orton take one strike off of his after time they let ray do the same what is this 10 years and waiting to uh, ah. yeah that is i uh, that is a little interesting but they've been through what two different programs since connor was first dinged you watch, it'll be for something like Primatine Mist tablets or something that had ephedra in it. Maybe maybe it's for that Melodonum or whatever it's called, that drug that Maria Sharapova got popped for, and now they're oh, thinking the, about uh, not even making that. WADA is thinking about not even having that as a suspendable offense anymore. Like, maybe we right. were too hyped on this one. No, no, no yeah. Well, no, yeah, because it was in such, I, I guess it was like such a regular thing. I don't know why athletes. I don't know why these guys would be taking that particular one because it doesn't seem to fit with what the uh the wrestlers usually take or usually are looking for but hey you never know. You never know. Uh I mean if if this was like a narcotic of some sort, right. okay, yeah. great. I'll 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 deal with that. But, you know, I mean like in Rose's case he's trying to take care of his kid, his special needs kid. I right. I just I I'm I'm not happy about it and, and it makes the especially after the Titus suspension, it, it you kind of like look at the roster and you go, "Well, that's unfair that you pick on the lower level guys." I tell but, you, but uh hey, if you maybe they're picking on them, but if you're popped, you're popped. If you're taking yeah. the thing, you fail, you fail. I'm you a know, law and order guy, so I mean I can't argue with with them punishing. And you know what? You guys know the rules. I do. I do and, remember that E60 where Adam Rose was a big star coming out of that, and you had the the look at his family and his and his kid and what he's doing this wrestling for, and you just really wanted to root for him. And they never followed up on it one bit on WWE television. And the crowd was was begging for it at one time when he when he came out for those first few tapings afterwards. They 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 knew it it had caught mainstream attention. I guess it's better to be suspended for sixty days than fired, though. So True. I mean, you you have another chance, so you want to make the most out of it. Speaking of suspensions that should be almost up, Titus O'Neil kind of returned to Raw on Monday. Mm. Yeah, it's a commercial that was taped before he was suspended. Yep, a little commercial, but just showing it. And the fact that they promote the Titus O'Neil specifically on the YouTube channel, uh, he should be coming back soon. I think his suspension might be up, if not uh, close to being up. Because remember when it happened, he was originally 90 days, then it was coming out that it was 60 days. Many people have noted how ridiculous it is that you can get a second drug test failure and get the same suspension that Titus, Titus O'Neil gets just for touching his boss lightly. But hey, that's the world we live in. So Titus O'Neil should be coming back soon, hopefully. Um, I still am under the belief that he should just say screw it and not even come back and stick with his. I mean, this guy's been all over the campus of the University of Florida, all up in a bunch of different events. 
this guy could do well for himself outside of it. But hey, he wants to give this wrestling a go. So good for Titus O'Neil. Hopefully we see him soon. And with the the new injuries that we got, we talk about Bray Wyatt being injured, talk about Adam Rose being out, Connor being out. Uh, we have some room kind of for Titus O'Neil to come on in here and maybe be a big time player, if not uh, a regular on television. I thought you were going to go with a Wyatt family member. Okay. Well, so that would so, be crazy so you, cool. So, so now you Wyatt believe family. that Bray, so now you believe Bray was injured. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I never disbelieved that he wasn't or disbelieved that he was. I just, you mocked me. You mocked me, Rob McGregor. So a little, a little behind the scenes, when uh, when Bray Wyatt suffers the injury on the first night of this tour of, of Europe, Jeff Hawkins texts me. He says, Bray Wyatt injured? And I didn't really know what he was referring to at the time, so I kind of really do a quick search to see what happened with Bray Wyatt. Um, and all my response is, to Jeff, I think I sent this to you, what, three times? Mm-hmm. They fake injuries now. Period. Not on European tours. I'm telling you. They fake injuries, but obviously it doesn't seem like this Bray Wyatt one is was faked, but they had just been coming off of what Callisto and Sami Zayn faking injuries uh, during matches. The Callisto one still hasn't gone anywhere. Like, what's up with that? But uh, yeah, I was just telling you to be cautious. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Let's not jump to conclusions. Don't bring oh, out you the jump to conclusions match. You, you said it was fake. I was not jumping oh, to conclusions. Oh, I never said it was fake. I was just warning you that they fake injury. <laughs> I never said it was fake. I'll show you the text right now. I'll put a screenshot up. I won't do that. <laughs> Titus O'Neil Wyatt. Yes. Titus Let's Wyatt. With that. Titus <laughs> Wyatt. Fits in like a glove. Like a glove, Jeff. Send him in there. Um... I want to get to this payback card. This is not a MMA show. This is not a UFC podcast. This is WWE podcast. But my, my uh, segue here is maybe we'll see this guy in WWE someday down the road. Conor McGregor is out of UFC 200. Surprised that Conor McGregor is uh, blowing up with the UFC. He can be the new Conor for the Ascension. There we go. It's a fix. Um, Am I surprised? No, but do I believe it? No. I think I think it's very convenient that a week before tickets are to go on sale, he's all of a sudden out. I think it's a money grab. I think it's a contract thing. Oh, I'm I'm sure it's a contract thing. I'm sure I mean, it is. But now uh, might now might be the best time to do that. It, if he did this three months ago, it might have been a good time. Now might not be the best time. And and the reason why we can talk about this on the WWE show is Around WrestleMania time, he started following Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and WWE. So people were like, oh, we saw Ronda Rousey. Maybe we'll see Conor McGregor on the show. And it all screams, all of this together, screams a contract ploy to get more money. And I'm sure he was trying to get more money for UFC 200. But when you have George St. Pierre coming back and you have the UFC 200 name itself, which will sell pay-per-view buys, that was probably not the show where Conor McGregor would get the most money out of Dana. Out of Dana White could have done this three months ago and they would have been, uh, you know, they would have been bent over, but now you got John Jones coming back. You have Ronda Rousey in the mix. You have New York, which will sell out no matter who's on the card. Uh, could be interesting timing for Conor McGregor. And I'll, I'll ask you, uh, we'll end the UFC portion of this. I will ask you point blank, Conor McGregor, WrestleMania 33. Will he appear? No. All right. A big no from Jeff Hawkins. Uh, the payback card is shaping up nicely. We're still a couple of weeks out. Uh, it's happening on May 1st. 
the first Sunday in May. The card right now, as it stands, the WWE world title, Roman Reigns defending against AJ Styles. AJ Styles could possibly win the WWE linear championship on this show. Roman Reigns still the linear champion. Could AJ Styles win it from him? We'll see at payback. Uh, the Miz versus Cesaro. Again, this Miz-Maurice pairing has just been amazing, and Cesaro's done really well since he's come back. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Um, one of the reasons why I was not too worried about the multi-man ladder match at WrestleMania, Jeff, remember this, I thought they would do a single with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens on the next pay-per-view, and here we have it. Are you hyped up for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Oh, sure. I, you know, it doesn't have the emotion yet of the Ring of Honor program, but yeah, they're, they're always great together. So I have no issue with it. But we also have extreme rules just a couple of weeks after this. So if they want to continue with Zayn and Owens, they could do some type of, whether it's a ladder match or a cage match or something else. I think we're going to get that crazy Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens match a couple of weeks later at extreme rules. So I am, I am interested to see how this one unfolds and continues to unfold uh, Chris Jericho working himself into the semi-main event kind of status here, working Dean Ambrose, which has been kind of placed as one of the real big-time matches. I would say this has probably been on the uh, on the Raw TV show, almost made into the number two match on the show, this Dean Ambrose-Chris Jericho. 16 years ago, I'd be hyped for this because the two could cut promos on each other. Right now, it's a talk show feud, and I'm, it's just, you know, I think the match itself will be fine, but again, it'll be like the matches in England. It'll be fine, technically great, but uh, yeah, okay. In the in the ring, I'm looking forward to this one more than the Chris Jericho-AJ Styles match at WrestleMania because Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho haven't shown me that they can't work together yet, where AJ Styles and Chris Jericho just didn't mesh at all. So maybe the Dean Ambrose matches with Chris Jericho can do better than AJ Styles. Uh, singles match, WWE women's title, Charlotte and Natalia. Charlotte and Natalia re, uh, replaying their feud from NXT a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Nothing to say about this one yet. <laughs> I said everything I was going to say about last week. That's they, true. they were going to rehash, they were going to rehash the feud and, uh, you and know, they I don't, are. I don't, I don't give any shot at Natty winning this. No shot. I don't think so either. I think this is just the uh, the get me over win after WrestleMania. You know, just put Natalia in there and give Charlotte a win. Uh, Enzo and Cass versus the Vaude Villains for the number one contendership. It looks like the New Day will be a part of this match in some way, whether it's watching from the announce table or or staring down the winner afterwards. Uh, but this is your that match may over that match may over deliver because I think those two good. teams are really going to those two teams are going to blow people away or could, they're going to want to blow people away that's what I tried to say no no yeah <laughs> could be good and and we talked about how this card was so full and what are they going to do what are they going to put on the pre-show well if they don't have a new day tag title defense then that kind of takes one thing out of there right now if they don't have a Carl Anderson match uh, with Luke Gallows that takes one thing out of there uh, Bray Wyatt's hurt, so it doesn't look like you're going to get the League of Nations versus the Wyatt family match that we were expecting. So all of a sudden now, this card is a lot lighter. Still really good. I mean, Ambrose Jericho, yes. Zayn Owens, yes. Miz Cesaro, going to be great. Cesaro doesn't seem to disappoint in the ring, no matter who he's with. Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, yes. Charlotte Natalia, yes. Tag team number one contendership. Well, probably uh, going in, I want to be a little hesitant on this match. Like, if... If they do really well, I'll be excited. But Enzo and Cass, the Vaudevillains, no one was claiming those two were the uh, the workhorses in NXT in their tag team division. But so far, the Vaudevillains been impressive. And Enzo and Cass, they just get the crowd behind them no matter what they're doing. So, so far on payback, we are six for six. I don't know if we're going to get a Callisto U.S. title defense because he was 
he wasn't on Raw at all last night, was he? No. Yeah, I don't think I remember seeing him one bit. I don't I don't remember a whole lot of uh, talk about him, so we'll see if they actually have him come back or whatever this injury they want to play up is. So at this point, do you think they put Emma and Becky Lynch on the main show, or is that still like slotted for a kickoff slot? Oh, I'd love it for it to be on the main card because I'm really looking forward to that match. I know a lot of people are eh, women. It's a secondary. No, I'm looking forward to that match a lot. And I think I'm looking I forward hope it to get that some match. time. I th- I'm looking forward to Emma and Becky more than I am Charlotte and Natalia. And part of it's probably mm-hmm. because we saw Charlotte and Natalia a couple of times. You know, we saw it on raw minus the finish. We saw it on roadblock. We saw it in NXT. So we've seen it before. Where's Becky and Emma? I mean, relatively new. They were together in that four way. And I don't remember if they had a, a singles match on NXT TV, but if they did, it was nothing special uh, as far as importance. So I'm really looking forward to this, this payback show and that Chicago crowd, this could be a really good pay-per-view. It could do better than WrestleMania. And that's not a shot at WrestleMania because I enjoyed the show, but this payback show could be so far the best pay-per-view of the year. And we're still early yet. Yeah, we're still, I I would agree. Let me ask you this. Here's the big question about that match. We just talked about who do you put over Becky and Emma? Yes. I think you have to go with Becky. I think so too, but Emma's new and they like new and they like to establish them. And Becky's really kind of, Becky's almost Teflon in that she can lose and just keep coming back. She is, she is kind of like the Dean Ambrose of the women right now Mm -hmm. is no one's going to start hating her. No one cares about the win loss record, but let's, let's go with Charlotte beating Natalia. So do you put Becky Lynch one-on-one against Charlotte right away? Do you hold Sasha Banks out? Because Sasha Banks was on Raw, so she's kind of back in the in the fold now. Um, I don't know. I, I think you uh, if you go with Emma, it seems like the next program would either be a rematch with Becky or Emma would slot with Sasha Banks, and Sasha Banks can defeat Emma to go yeah. on to the title shot. At SummerSlam. I, yeah, I... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one to call. This could be one of the more unpredictable matches. I see Enzo and Cass winning the tag team titles, but even that's a little unpredictable because the New Day, the face New Day, are the tag team champions. the The match that you would be more logical would be the Vaude Villains challenging them, the babyface and the heels. So there are some unpredictable matches. Dean Ambrose, Chris Jericho. Maybe the least, <laughs> may, maybe the least unpredictable just because Chris Jericho always wins and Dean Ambrose always loses. So Dean Ambrose getting a win would be a surprise. <laughs> is there a predictable AJ, match in the show? AJ, AJ can't win. Um, is, there a pre- is there a predictable match in the show? Is, is Roman Reigns defeating AJ probably the most predictable match on the show? Charlotte. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Natalia ain't winning that match. No. You never know, though. Total divas. They could, mm. That could throw a wrench in the game. Could throw a wrench in the game. Uh, the only other thing I had on uh, this Raw, I guess that we kind of covered it. Titus O'Neil showing up, uh, Adam Rose and Connor. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to, the, to Raw getting back in the States because I, I want to see the show live. I think it's more, it's more interesting when we see the show live. But I want to see what they do with this Guns and Gallows. I want to see where they're going with this. How long until the authority comes back? Mm, I mean, before the the show, 
Do you think they panicked this week because of the ratings? Yeah, you talked about the ratings before the show, and that could be a factor, like record low ratings. And I didn't really want to talk about it on the show because I thought Raw was okay. And it was I a did too. It was a taped show. So that kind of plays into uh into it a some of uh, some of you know a little bit. Playoffs. Yeah, yeah. NBA playoffs, yeah. NBA playoffs. Big Cubs Cardinals game on Monday night. All right, let's not push it. <laughs> big big Dodgers D backs contest. Like me saying, oh, and the NHL playoffs too. Come on, Hawkins. No. <laughs> big big Alabama spring game replay. Good lord. Hundred thousand people at, at that game. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some competition. Better Call Saul season finale. And there's a lot of competition on uh, on Monday night. I don't know if they'll panic yet. I think you have to go a full month before you panic. Let this play out. What a crazy time we are in Raw right now. Guns and Gallows and AJ Styles are in the main event program right now. Your semi-main event is The Miz and Cesaro. Your third from the top match is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. There's no John Cena. There's no Seth Rollins. There's no Randy Orton. And Roman Reigns is still an unproven champion to the point of being a draw, right? I mean, no one's going to dispute that. This is a new era in WWE. The Vaudevillains and Enzo and Cass and the Women's Championship. This is a new time in WWE. It's an exciting time. As much, pe- as, much as people talked about New Japan Pro Wrestling needing a roster to- turnover with the loss of AJ and Shinsuke Nakamura, WWE was in the same boat. Losing John Cena, having no Brock Lesnar this month, having no Rock. Losing people. It's, it's exciting. A- it's exciting, but that number is a little scary for their prospects for them losing faith in all these guys. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm putting that out there as a possibility. I just hope they don't panic because you gotta yeah. you gotta give things time. At least a month. I mean, we are only two weeks away from WrestleMania, right? Give it a month before you yeah. panic. Triple H and the shows. Triple the shows H is on this tour. Show. Triple H is on the tour. He's wrestling. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's replacing The Undertaker who didn't end up going on the tour. Um, I wonder if Undertaker's ever going to recover from his loss to Shane at WrestleMania. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if he's... Ever- St- stipulations don't matter. But, I mean, the shows have flowed more smooth without having the heavy-handed exposition of the authority out there. They've been, I, I they've think been great. In terms of tone. What yeah. I really like is the fact that they, they use Shane, but he's not all over the show. Yes. Like, isn't a babyface manager kind of refreshing in the way of you know he he sets up a match here and there he plays a small part but otherwise he works behind the scenes he's not involved in every single segment he's not backstage with kevin owens you know and and wrestler after wrestler coming in for a backstage promo talking down to them no i and and that's that's very cool i think i I think i think it's best when the mcmahons don't end up putting themselves over talent yeah you gotta you gotta let the talent pull ahead and this is the time right now because you have so much new talent on that on that uh this main roster heading into payback i'm excited about payback i think we only have what one week left so next week will be our payback preview show if i have that uh correct so next week we'll talk all about this payback show uh go through every match we might have one or two more uh matches here coming into the show but now jeff it is time for match Number 38 on our top 100 mm-hmm. countdown of matches on WWE Network to see before you die. This is the WWE.com list that we've been working our way through for the past year and a half. We started with number 100, and now we're here. Number 38, from Elimination Chamber 2014, 
Only two years ago. Seems like longer. It really does. The Shield. Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns against the Wyatt family, Rowan, Harper, and Bray Wyatt. The big six-man tag that a lot of people had in their match of the year ballots at Voices of Wrestling in 2014. Shield and the Wyatt family. Before you went back and watched this, what did you remember, if anything, about it? I remember I remember most of it. I remember most of the build. I remember people being very, very excited about it. And then I remember the match. And I remember thinking that they made a misstep in the booking in terms of people want to don't when you people get on me about my old school thinking and my old school cynicism, don't ever, don't ever underestimate that people don't want to see mean guys fighting badasses beating on each other. Don't doubt me on that. Cause that's what they wanted in this match. And oh, yeah. then a wrestling and yeah. then a wrestling match broke out and then the crowd died until it became a fight. And then they got hyped. I mean, they were chanting, we want tables when they were putting headlocks on and that's what they wanted. They wanted a six person tornado match, a fight all around the arena, like an ECW style brawl from 1995. That's what they wanted here. And I remember that being some, somewhat disappointing, but I remember the, the beginning and the end being spectacular and they were. This was the match and the just two badass teams, but it also had to do with the booking of these two teams. Like the Wyatt family were on the up and up. The shield was on the up and up. They hadn't been trading losses with other teams back and forth. They went into this program and this feud as two really strong teams that you didn't know who would give an inch. Well, they were both heels at the time too, I believe, or at least the shield had just turned. I don't know if they had, but I mean, the shield were working with the authority and the Wyatts were the agents of chaos, the badass people just going through everybody. So, and then eventually the Wyatts, I believe, uh, oh, I, I remember. Yeah, when when the elimination chamber match happened, uh, the 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 qualifier that got uh, that got Cena, Daniel Bryan, and Sheamus into the match instead of the Shield, and that's really what kind of turned them against each other. Yeah, I just remember going into this. I'm like, this is going to be fun. Luke Harper going up against Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Bray Wyatt, and Roman Reigns. Still at this point, everyone was loving Roman Reigns. He would just come in and be the power and dominate. So this, oh, and you could tell that this is another match where they were trying to build him as a star. Because, I mean, even on commentary, oh, yeah. they're saying, some say Roman Reigns is the leader of the Shield. I'm like, nobody's ever said Roman Reigns is the leader of the Shield. Get out of here. Well, this was also just a few months before they ended up doing the breakup, and Roman yeah. Reigns was out on his own. So this was coming to the end of the Shield. But, yeah, because they were, they, were, they were doing the T-split of who right. would win the title amongst the three of them. But they right. did learn their lesson in this match because when they brought back Hunter... Orton and, and Batista to fight the three of them. That that's when it became that at was it extreme rules where it was all over the place. All over the, the, the place. That was, that was, that was the kind of match that you wanted to see out of these two. Yeah. And then these two, uh, these two teams went at it. It was important because you really wanted to see where they were going to go with, uh, you know, people were talking about breaking up the shield at this point a little bit. Um, not to the point where it wasn't a surprise when it finally happened. Cause it was a surprise when it finally happened. But you were wondering how long they were going to go because everyone knew that Roman Reigns was going to end up being groomed as the guy. So they were just wondering when this might happen. And they go in and the match itself is, I mean, it's just exciting stuff. You watch it. There's people brawling all over the place. It's chaos. You have the the stupid cutting in and out of the camera and the zoom in and zoom out. That That was always the worst thing about this program, this feud, is the camera work was so awful when they were all brawling. 
And this is really when you start to notice it big time. When the Wyatts were in there with the shield and the camera work of zooming in and out to create action when you didn't need to. The worst yeah, part of this match. Yeah, and, and the worst part of the booking is that then they just kept on putting these two together week after week for about four more and weeks, they, I think. They did a lot more. They were on pay-per-view again later. Um, they did a lot. Um, they did a match on main event, I believe, when main event was just mm-hmm. starting out on the network. Yes. Yes, yeah, they, they did a did. match on main event because they were trying, and, uh, just putting a main event out there on WWE main event back when they were caring about that show. But I'll tell you, man, the beginning of this match where, where Bray is just screaming at, at Dean and Dean is, is just chopping at the bit, got me so geeked up. It really did. I want to see that kind of fire in a lot of matches up and down the card, and I just don't see it anymore. I loved it. It's funny to look at it back, too, when, you know, now we have the Bray Wyatt injury, so it's, it's tough with the Wyatt family, but the Wyatt family is definitely better together as a unit. And the Shield was great. But with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins is better by himself. But Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose haven't quite been better on their own since they were members of the Shield. Am I wrong? Roman, obviously being pushed as the main guy, had really good matches with Daniel Bryan, had a great WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar. But as far as importance and crowd reactions they were kind of better as a unit too. And Seth Rollins is the one of all six guys that thrived being by himself. Which was ironic because he was the one in the doghouse and he was the one seen as the odd man out when they broke up. Right, but when they were going to break up. He has this CM Punk stuff and a lot of the top guys have this Triple H where he just feels like he should be the top guy. So that's going to get the Baron Corbin has this, which is why Baron Corbin will be successful is these Mm. guys just feel like they're going to be the top guy. And they're not going to settle for anything less. They're going to do their job when they're on something less, but they're not going to settle for it. I, I just love the dynamic of the Shield personalities in this in this form because you had you know you had Rollins as kind of the smarmy jerk, you had Dean as the loose cannon psycho, and you just had Roman as the tough guy. And I thought that I thought they played off so well out of that and the look and everything. It was such a perfect stable that could have gone on probably another year or two if they wanted. And to go back to the Wyatts, you can't have the Wyatts without Harper. I mean, Harper's creepiness and the eyes and the physicality and just his mannerisms. Oh, I I love this man. I have a man crush on him so much because he's just so underrated, I think, in the WWE. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, you can't have the Wyatts without Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is the glue that holds that team together, but Luke Harper is just the standout. Well, not even standout. How do I say this? He's the standout of those who are not going to be standouts. He's the guy your eyes are are drawn to. He is, and they're they're just just not the same unit when he's not there. He's the backbone, if you will. They're just not the same unit. You can throw, and it's funny because, you know, I was watching the SmackDown satellite stream earlier today just for a little bit and the main event of main event this week is big show and Kane versus Braun Strowman and Eric Rowan. So they are going to put those two out in tag team matches for a little bit Braun and Rowan as they are by themselves now in the Wyatt family. And just how hideous does that sound? When you don't have Luke Harper there to be the workhorse of that team, Eric Rowan and Braun Strowman teaming up on television. I hope they leave them on superstars and main event, because I do not want to see a 10 minute tag between those two and anyone on the main roster. 
well, well, the Wyatt family dynamic worked a little bit more because because this version of Bray in this match was far more psychotic and evil and and vicious than he is now. Now he's kind of a playful almost character, giving riddles and whatnot. Um, and then you had Rowan as the big dumb guy, <laughs> and and that and that worked perfect as a three man unit. With Strowman, now you have two guys with two left feet who are kind of big dumb goons. You have the absolute psycho in Harper, and you have the mouthpiece in in Wyatt. So it's still it's it's different now. It is different. Um, yeah, those are the days. I remember when the Shield broke up and everyone was lamenting. You talked about how they could have gone on for another year, and it's true they could have gone on much longer. Is it a good thing though that they didn't that they cut them off because they are probably going to team up again at some point. And it will be huge. It will be a big time event when the three of them, their their situations, their circumstances bring them together again. It will be a fun event and they will get some life out of it. Uh, but it's probably better that they didn't grow stale, is it not? Like the NWO was together way too long. It's good that the Shield didn't run its course. I think they still had a good another heel run or face run in them. I, I disagree here just because they didn't know what to do with who at the time they broke them up because they ruined Dean Ambrose in many ways. Dean Ambrose was, they could have pushed all three to the moon and pushed all three as very different characteristics at, as they had formed in the shield and all have been fine, but they left Dean to die to get the other two over. And that's what ticked me off is, is they purposely made Dean the fall guy for both these guys in order to improve their status. And I think on the reunion thing, if they hadn't already done that reunion in that six man tag that one time, I, I think it'd be far bigger. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, I, it'll be big when it comes back, but I think they'll also probably, probably see how popular it is and cut it off quick. <laughs> Next week, we are going to talk about payback. We're going to do our payback pre-show. I'm right on the dates, right? Next week should be the payback pre-show, and it will be, yes. So next week, we're going to talk about WWE payback happening on May 1st, preview the card, run it down, and then we'll talk about match number 37 on our top 100 countdown, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker from WWE Bad Blood 1997. We were talking about who we might see at WrestleMania 13 years from now. Shawn Michaels' Undertaker worked WrestleMania 32, and they were still on pay-per-view headlining shows in 1997, 19 years earlier. So 13 years might not even be enough. We might see Bray Wyatt on pay-per-view 19 years from now, Jeff. It could happen. It very well could happen. So we'll talk about Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. We will talk payback. And if you have questions for the show, if you want to have uh, a question for Jeff or I or both of us, hit us up on Twitter at ShakeThemRopes. DM us, tweet us, whichever you prefer. And our email is rob at voicesofwrestling.com. So if you have a question you want to get on the show, whether it's about current events or the past or our number 37 match on Michaels and Undertaker, hit us up email or on Twitter at Shake Them Ropes. For Jeff Hawkins, Rob McCarron saying goodbye. We'll see you next week on Shake Them Ropes. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 